We're in a series called The Bible on Trial. I've titled today's message, The Book Can Be Trusted. The Book Can Be Trusted. Last week, we talked about how we need to accept, assimilate, and apply God's Word to our life. If you missed last week, encourage you to get online, watch the message, download it, and be sure to watch or listen to the message. We talked about how we need to assimilate and accept and apply God's Word into our life. And one of the major obstacles for so many people in accepting God's Word is because they say, I don't believe it's accurate. I don't believe that it's true. Some people don't, don't trust the Bible. Some people believe it's just a good historical book, but it's not God's Word. That They would say it has some really good principles in it, but it's not God's Word. Some think it's, they, they say, you know, it's just made up. It's just founded on lies. And here's what Jesus says in Matthew 24, verse 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words, the words inspired by God, never pass away. Let me say it to you like this. Heaven and earth is going to change a lot. Come on, how many realize there's a lot of change happening in our world right now? It seems like not much stays the same. But God's Word, the Bible, will never change or pass away. You could trust it back in 17 B.C. You could trust it in 17 A.D. You could trust it in 1717. You could trust it in 1817. You could trust it in 1917. You could trust it in 2017. And if Jesus tarry, you'll be able to trust it in 3017. You say, Pastor, how do we know this? Well, today I'm going to give you what's called apologetics. This is not my normal preaching or teaching style today, but in this series today, I want to give you what's called apologetics, and I'm not an apologist. This is not an area of passion for me. It's not an area of strength for me. I'm going to just give you research that others have done. I'm just passing on the research to you. I can't take credit for any of this. Now, if you would like to dive deeper into apologetics If you are one of those people that just love this stuff, or perhaps you're just skeptical of the Bible, you're skeptical, you don't trust it, I want to encourage you to check out some some research and some researchers, one of them, Josh McDowell, one of the greatest apologists of our day in our generation. He wrote a book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict. You need to get that book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. He also has a website, josh.org. O-R-G, josh.org, or, or check out Lee Strobel. He's another apologist of our generation. He has several wonderful books as well. A couple of those books would be The Case for Christ. I have both of these books. I have The Evidence That Demands a Verdict as well by, 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 by Josh McDowell, but he has one called The Case for Christ and also The Case for Faith. The Case for Faith. I encourage you to read those books. It will help you tremendously. Here's what I want to do today. I want to give you five reasons why the Bible can be trusted. Five reasons why the Bible can be trusted. I would encourage you to take notes. Get a pen, pencil, get some paper, or get your phone. Come on, don't text anybody. Take notes today, somebody. Come on. I, I, I really, I'm going to say some things I really believe will help you strengthen your faith or encourage you in your journey as you seek out the claims of the Bible and its validity. Here's what I want you to know as I give you these five. I could give you more. So if time permitted, I could give you a whole lot more than five. I'm only covering five today for time's sake. And and, and any of these five could stand alone. 
It doesn't take all five of these to prove the, the validity and the inspiration of the Scriptures by God. And so one, any of these could stand by themselves. But, for, but, but today I'm still going to just give you, give you five today. And here's the first one. The Bible is historically accurate. The Bible is historically accurate. In Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 18, it tells us that God cannot lie. There are some things that God cannot do. So one of them is God cannot lie. So if any of the historical events recorded in the Bible are not accurate, then it isn't God's Word because God cannot lie. And there are some people that would believe that the Bible is not accurate, and they believe it's because it's been passed down through generations that it's been changed over time. The problem is history proves the validity of the Bible. The Bible is not just a book of principles. Listen, it is historically accurate. The stories and the information in the Bible are absolutely true. Listen, all historians, all historians will tell you for a piece of history, if the, to, to know that it's historically accurate, they run it through three historical tests. Hear me today, these aren't Christian tests. These are just historical tests on any piece of literature or document throughout history, and they run it through these tests. Let me give you the three tests. Number one is the eyewitness test. The eyewitness test. See, the stories in the Bible aren't hearsay stories. Most of the Bible was written by people who were actually there. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament, they were actually written by the disciples who were there. It wasn't hearsay. They were there. They walked with Jesus. They talked with Jesus. They saw the miracles. They were actually there, and they wrote about it. And friends, the interesting thing about the Gospels is they didn't collaborate. They didn't talk to one another when they penned the Gospels, and yet they don't contradict each other. They're perfect, perfect and alignment because they were, they were there. They witnessed it. They saw it for themselves. Even in the Old Testament, a lot of the writers were there. Listen, Moses was there when he talked about the Red Sea. That wasn't hearsay. He saw it part. He walked through on dry ground. Moses wrote five books in the Bible. He wrote about what he experienced. He was there. He, it, was, it was an eyewitness account, not a hearsay. You can also read secular history. And in secular history books, you'll see many of the events were witnessed by other people that are in the Bible, secular history. Matter of fact, many secular writers even witnessed the crucifixion and fiction of Jesus. And they wrote about his crucifixion. They, they, they penned it. They, they, they were there. Number two is this. There's a, a second historical test, and that's the recording test. The recording test. The Bible was copied with extreme care. And God entrusted some of the most meticulous people on planet earth to record the Bible, the Jewish nation. And the Jewish scribes had a standard for recording history that no one on earth has ever had. You see what the Jewish scribes would do? They would record history not word by word, but letter by letter. And when it comes to the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, they actually knew the middle letter for every book. And what they would do is they, as they finished copying the book, what they would do is they would go back and start with the middle letter 
and they would count in both directions. And if one count was off, they would throw the whole thing away and start again. I mean, that, that's the kind, I mean, that's what the Jewish scribes would do with history, that they were that meticulous in recording history. Understand this, friends, when it comes to the Bible, it's a myth. It's absolutely not true that the Bible has changed over time. Well, it's been passed down, it's just been changed over time. No, that's, not, that's not true. Matter of fact, in, in the 1940s and in the 1950s, they, they, they discovered the Des, Dead Sea Scrolls. Some of you have heard about that. Uh, if you haven't, do some research. Or Google it yourself. The Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered in 1940s and 1950s, and, and, and they, they, they actually recorded every book of the Old Testament except for Esther, and, and that they were recorded about 100 years before Jesus lived and yet not discovered till 1940s, 1950s. And, and what they found out when they discovered those, those Dead Sea scrolls. They compared it to the Old Testament. And you know what they found out? It matched. Things hadn't changed because the Bible was recorded with extreme care. Number two is, number three is this, the the third historical test is the archaeological test. You see, archaeology proves again and again that the places and the people that are talked about in the Bible are true. Church, your Bible is not fiction. It's not a fiction book. It's true. You can actually go find these places. People have dug them up. It's been proven again and again that the Bible is more accurate than our ideas of history. You see, throughout history, people have had an idea of what's historical, and then they thought the Bible must be wrong because they couldn't, they couldn't prove it at different times. And then you know what happens? All of a sudden, they They keep looking and they keep searching, and all of a sudden they discover, wow, okay, we didn't think that was true, but we found this, and now, wow, it actually confirms that the Bible is true. It's right. And an example of this is the Hittite Empire, and the Bible talks about this Hittite Empire. And for years, archaeologists did not think it existed. They couldn't find it anywhere. But in the early 1900s, they were doing some excavating in a part of the world, and, and they discovered all of these documents, about a thousand documents that, that, that literally talked about the, the Hittite empire and artifacts. And, and you know what, they, what happened? It, it confirmed that the Hittite empire, it actually existed. It was archaeologically confirmed. Why? Because, friends, the Bible passes the three historical tests. It's historically accurate. The number two is this. We're just looking at five tests that the Bible is God's Word. Number two is this. Why you can trust the Bible. The Bible is scientifically accurate. That's why you can trust the Bible. It's scientifically accurate. Psalm chapter 148 and verse 5 says, Let every created thing give praise to the Lord, for he issued his command, and they came into being. He set them in place forever and ever. His decrees will never be revoked. Church, God created everything. Just look at your neighbor and say, even you. Go ahead and tell them that, yes, right, even you. He created everything. He created the laws of the universe. He created the medical laws. He created bodies. He created water. He created stars and sky. That's why when the Bible talks about these things, it never has contradicted, been contradicted, never has been contradicted, even though the science of those days didn't believe most of the things the Bible talks about. I love what Johannes Kipler, the famous mathematician and astronomer, once said. He said, science is simply thinking God's thoughts after him. 
In other words, God established the, the laws of physics, and then we discovered them. You see, the Bible talks about science, but understand this, the Bible is not a science book. The Bible does not use scientific language. It was not written to be a science book. You can't, in other words, you can't go read the Bible and learn how to build a rocket. It is not a science book. But the Bible never gives bad science. Not, not once during the 1,600 years in which the Bible was written, never does it give bad science. In fact, it was ahead of science. You see, science, you do know this, don't you? Science evolves, but truth remains the same. Science changes, but truth never changes. Science evolves. I can prove it to you. All of you adults, go back and read your third grade science book. They're not even using it anymore. Most of they believe about science when you were in the third grade is laughable today. They're not teaching that to Commodore 64. They're not teaching that anymore. It's changed. But yet, even though science changed, the Bible never had to change. Never had to change. For example, it was believed for years that the earth was flat. It was believed that the earth was flat. It wasn't until Copernicus and Galileo and Columbus in 1492 that they started to believe, hmm, I think this earth is round and not flat. This was around five or 600 years ago. But 2,600 years ago, the Bible said the earth was round. In Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 22, he sits enthroned above the circle, the sphere of the earth. And his people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy. He spreads them out like a tent to live in. That word circle in the Hebrew is sphere, where we get the word globe. Come on, if they would have just read the Bible. Years ago, they would have known this earth wasn't flat. It's round. And one of the most powerful things that proves the Bible is God-inspired is not just what's in the Bible about science, but even more so, what's not in the Bible about science. You see, when the Bible was, was written, in the Bible days when they were writing it, they had widely accepted scientific facts that they believed that, they believed that was scientifically accurate. There was a belief about science in those days, and yet the Bible doesn't record the highly reliable science of those days. It doesn't, it doesn't record it. Why? Because God knew that the science of the day was not accurate, and so it didn't make it into the Bible. Let me give you another common belief during the writing of the Bible, that, that they believed that the earth was held up. That was a common belief. You don't believe it today, but that's what they believed. The earth was held up. The Greeks believed it was by Atlas. That, that, that's where you've seen a guy with the globe with the earth on his shoulders holding it up. The Hindus believed the globe set on the back of an elephant, which stood on the back of a sea turtle, which stood on the back of a serpent that swam throughout the sea. Now, get you some of that right there. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
The, the Egyptians were the masterminds, man. They, they're some brilliant people. The, you know, they, they, in those days, they were the masterminds behind architecture and engineering, just a brilliant, brilliant people. And they believed the earth stood on five pillars. And what's interesting is the Bible tells us that Moses was, was raised and trained in the wisdom of the Egyptians. Some of you know the story of Moses. Maybe you're familiar with the Bible. If you're not, Moses was actually was going to be killed by Pharaoh. He was killing all of the babies in the land, and so his mother put him in the Nile River hoping that somebody would find him. And lo and behold, Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses, takes him in as her own, and Moses was raised as the grandchild of Pharaoh. He was raised with an Egyptian education, went to Egyptian schools. He, he learned Egyptian, the Egyptian belief system, and Moses wrote five of the books and the Bible, and you don't see those beliefs in the Bible. They're not recorded. Those, those scientific beliefs of the day that the Egyptians believed are not in there. Even in the oldest book in the Bible. How many know what the oldest book of the Bible is? Anybody know? It's Job. Job is the oldest book in the Bible. And listen to what Job says in the oldest book of the Bible, Job 26 and verse 7. He spreads out the northern skies over empty space and suspends the earth over nothing. Know that? No, Job. Atlas is holding this bad boy up. How did Job know that? Well, maybe God told him. It was believed during the writing of the Bible that the number of stars could be counted. Hipparchus in 150 BC counted the stars. He said, There are 1,022 stars. I got it. Then 300 years later, a guy named Ptolemy, who was still, who he still considered one of the geniuses of astronomy today, still believed, and 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 he said that, I don't know what's wrong with that guy Hipparchus. He's foolish. That's wrong, crazy. I counted them. There's 1,026. He missed four. True it's history. But 26. But 2,600 years ago, Jeremiah wrote these words that are found in your Bible. Jeremiah 33, verse 22. And as the stars of the sky cannot be counted, and the sand of the seashore cannot be measured. Did you know this year already they found some more stars? Uh, this year? You go do the research yourself. Let's quickly look at medical science. Medical science has evolved over time, and yet the Bible has remained the same on its views on medical science. The Bible did not need to be updated when medical science changed. The Bible was way ahead of medical science. An example of this is Hippocrates came up with what's called humoralism. And humoralism, he, he was the, kind of known as the father of medicine in many ways. And he believed that there were four things that created disease. Yellow bowel, black bowel, phlegm, and blood. And this was believed for, I mean, thousands of years. And what they believed was this, that they believed that too much blood could make a person sick. That they believed if a person had a disease, what they needed to do was cut them and let it bleed to get that disease out of the system. It was called bloodletting. And so they cut people to bleed and try to get the disease out of them. Did you realize that our first president 
George Washington. He actually died from bloodletting. Go, go look at history. It's really interesting. George Washington had a heart issue. And so they cut him to bleed, to try to get his heart healthy. And they cut him a second time and let him bleed. And then they cut him a third time and let him bleed. And, and he ended up dying from bloodletting. And today we know the exact opposite is true. There is life in the blood. You get sick, they give you what's called a blood transfusion. You need that blood. And the Bible said this years ago in Leviticus 17, verse 11. For the life of the body is in its blood. Powerful. Isn't the Bible the whole time? In the Middle Ages, the bubonic plague killed one out of four people in Europe. 25% of Europe died from one disease. Do you know why? Because they didn't know anything about contagion. They didn't know anything about germs. They didn't realize that people could pass a sickness on to somebody else. They had no idea, so 25% of Europe died. And yet, I want you to hear what the Bible says. The Bible knew it. Leviticus chapter 13, verse 4, if the shiny spot on the skin is white but does not appear to be more than skin deep and the hair in it has not turned white, the priest is to isolate the affected person for seven days. The Bible says, get them away from you and you'll be all right. They're sick. Get them away. Check them out for seven days. They're still sick. Stay away. The Bible knew this the whole time. Why? Because the Bible's inspired by God. Psalms 33 and verse 4, for the word of the Lord is right and true. Come on, all of our campuses, everybody say, right and true. Right. Oh, yes, it is. It's right and true. He is faithful in all he does. Number three, it is prophetically accurate. Prophetically, prophetically accurate. Pro prophecy, let me explain pro prophecy. Prophecy is when someone foretells the future, says something's going to happen in the future, and then it actually does happen. I'm a prophet. I'm known as a prophet. I, ha I have prophesied that the Dallas Cowboys would win the Super Bowl ten, the last 10 years. And it did not happen. Jerry! Jerry! You're hurting me, brother. Win. My... So I am not a prophet. So I'm not a prophet. But there are more than a thousand prophecies in Scripture. I want you to think about this. Really think about it. This was a huge risk to have all these prophecies in the Bible because if any one of them doesn't happen, then we have to question the validity of the Bible. And friends, there are over 300 prophecies alone on Jesus. Over 300. The last prophecy about Jesus was actually given 400 years before he lived. The prophecies about Jesus were over an 1,100-year period of time. If that were today, friends, it would be like the last prophecy coming over on the Mayflower. Can you imagine five people, or let's say it like this, even one person prophesying about you 400 years before you ever lived and it being right? I mean, think about it. Let's make it practical. Somebody prophesied about you 400 years before you were born. They wouldn't know anything about you. They wouldn't know anything about your daddy, your mama. 
your grandpa, your grandma. They wouldn't know anything about your great-grandma or your great-grandpa. They wouldn't know, they wouldn't know anything. And, and the Bible says, there, I mean, the Bible gives us 300 prophecies about Jesus 400 years before he was ever born. And friends, these weren't general prophecies. These weren't general like, he's going to be awesome. <sighs> he's going to be amazing. <sighs> no. These were specific prophecies. Like, where he'd live. Can you imagine somebody prophesying about me? 400 years before I was born, he's going to be born in, he's going to live in Wewoka, <laughs> Oklahoma. You'd be a bad mamma jamma to get that right. Come on, can you imagine somebody prophesying where you would be, be born? How many of you, do you know where I was born? Anybody know? Some of you say, Holdenville, Seminole. I was born in Los Angeles, get you some of that. You was wrong. I was born in... So I'm an L.A. kid. That's what's up. That's what's up. I really was born in Los Angeles. Okay, I mean, you've been, I've been preaching to some of you for 15 years, and you didn't know that. And 300 prophecies specific about Jesus, where he would be born, where he would live, that he would flee Egypt, that he would ride into Jerusalem on a donkey, not a horse. Maybe like prophesying the kind of car you're going to drive. That's not specific. I mean, I'll tell you one, one that blows my mind. David prophesied that Jesus would die from crucifixion, and crucifixion wasn't even invented when he prophesied it. They weren't even killing people that way yet. He prophesied about something he didn't even know. Crucifixion didn't come over until right before Jesus with the Romans. How did David know this? Well, maybe David didn't come up with that. Maybe God did. A man named Dr. Peter Stoner did an entire study called Science Speaks. Check this out. You can, you can go look it up yourself. Peter Stoner. There were 600 probability researchers involved. And here's what they found out. They found out it was nearly impossible odds for just eight of the prophecies of Jesus to be f f fulfilled. Just eight. It was, I mean, almost impossible. And what they did in this study, they picked eight specific ones in his study and found out that the odds were this number. Here, here's the odds. Of, it's one in ten to the 17th power are the odds of just eight of those prophecies happening. That's a big number. You say, Pastor, I don't know what that means. Let me explain it to you. That would be like taking silver dollar coins for that number that number would be taking silver dollar coins and filling up the entire state of Texas two feet deep is what that number is. And then it would be, the probability would be this. Get somebody in Oklahoma, put them in a helicopter, put a blindfold around them, take one of those coins, mark it red, and then fly somebody from Oklahoma and say, we're in Texas now! Tell me when to drop you! Now! Then they reach down, and out of all those coins, they pick up the red one. That, that's the probability of just eight prophecies being fulfilled. Come on, have you ever driven through Texas, somebody? Come on. I mean, that's a 14-hour drive from Texarkana to El Paso. That is one big, can't play college football state. Come on, somebody. I'm sorry. I love Texas. I love all my Texas and A&M friends. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm just saying. The, the, that's the probability of just eight 
of the 300 are true. For 16 prophecies, it would be 1 in 10 to the 45th power. To fulfill 48 of the 300 would be 1 in 10 to the 157th power. That number can't even be described. It would be an object like something like electrons, that number. Friends, it's impossible. It's impossible. How did it happen? Well, prophecy didn't come from man. It came from God. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 21 says, For prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said these words about prophecy in Matthew 26 verse 56, but this is all happening to fulfill the words of the prophets as recorded in the Scriptures. And the only Scriptures in those days were the Old Testament. The prophecies were given in the Old Testament, and then they were fulfilled in the New Testament. Both the Old and the New Testaments are true. The prophetic evidence is overwhelming. Let me say it to you like this. It takes more faith to believe that the prophecies of the Bible are coincidence than that God planned them. You have more faith than me if you believe it's happenstance. You got a lot of faith. You got more faith than I got to believe that God planned it. Number four is this. The Bible is thematically unified. Why can't you trust the Bible? It's thematically unified. If the Bible was written by one person, you could see how it would be thematically unified. But the Bible was written by 40 people. Quran, the Quran was written by one person. Buddhism, written by one person. The Bible was written by 40 different people over a 1,600-year period, which means it was, it was impossible for them to collaborate. And they didn't have iPhone. They couldn't text each other. They didn't have email. Uh-uh. They didn't even live in the same place. They lived in 12 nations and three different continents. And yet they, they all write about the same theme and the same person without contradiction. And if you think there's contradiction, you need to do a little bit more studying. We'll get more into this next week. I, don't you miss next week. You better bring somebody with you. The Bible is thematically unified. Number five is this. The Bible is trusted by Jesus. Why can't you trust your Bible? The Bible is trusted by Jesus. From time to time, I hear people say something like this. Well, Pastor, I love Jesus. I love his grace. I love his mercy. I love his teaching. I, I love Jesus. I love his compassion. But I don't know about that Bible. The rest of that Bible, I don't know about that Bible. And honestly, you can't trust Jesus without trusting the Bible because Jesus trusted the Bible. And if you're going to trust Jesus, then you got to trust what Jesus trusted. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 18, Jesus says, for truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappears, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Matter of fact, just insert this. There's some prophecies that still hadn't been accomplished yet. Go read Revelations. And you don't want to be on the wrong side of those prophecies. I don't have time to teach that today. But I want you to know Jesus trusted the Bible. He believed the stories in the Bible were true. Jesus quoted the Bible. First, can I tell you, Jesus believed in the prophets. Check this out. 
Jesus believed in the prophets. Write those scriptures down. That's just a couple of them. Matthew 22, 40. Matthew 24, 15. He believed in the prophets. Friends, Jesus believed in Noah. He believed in the flood. Luke chapter 17, verse 26. Jesus believed in Noah. Jesus believed in Adam and Eve. Check it out, Matthew 19, 4. You go do your study yourself. Jesus believed in it. Jesus believed in Sodom and Gomorrah. Matthew 10, verse 15. You, you go check it out yourself. Jesus believed in Jonah and the fish. I mean, he, he quoted it. Read Matthew 12, verse 40. He, but Jesus believed in the Bible. He trusted the whole Bible. But you say, Pastor, 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 Pastor. I don't understand that Bible. I don't understand it. Pastor, your old school things have changed. Technology, things have changed, Pastor. And throughout years, things have changed in our world, and I don't trust the Bible. Friends, let me just say this to you. If something, something's going to change, don't change the Bible to fit you. You change you to fit the Bible. It's reliable. Jesus trusted it, and so do I. If you believe what you like in the Bible, but don't believe what you don't like, it's not the Bible you trust. It's you. And trusting ourselves is dangerous. I mean, I want you to know this. The Bible is way more reliable than our minds. It's way more reliable. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And a lot of people lean to their own understanding. They think they're smarter than God. They trust their ways instead of God's ways. And God really is smarter than us. In verse 6 it says, in all your ways submit to Him. In other words, you're going to have some grapples and wrestles in life where you think your way is better. In all your ways, submit to Him, and He'll make your path straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. And humanity has a tendency to be wise in our own eyes. People become adults. I'm grown. 21. 21. Grown. I don't. I don't believe that. I'm wiser than God. People get a college degree or a master's degree or a PhD. We get a little education, big vo vocabulary and vernacular. We become articulate, and we become wiser than God. People have their own experiences in life, or they have their own feelings and their emotions, and their feelings and their emotion or their experience trumps what the Bible says because we become wiser than God. We go to college, university, and, and uh, a couple of professors that don't believe in God try to sway the whole class, and so they teach and uh, sway students at a, at a vulnerable age, and, and, they, and they, they spew on the students about God's not real, the Bible's not real, and they, and they, they, they present a little, a little, you know, it's like rat poison. Rat poison is 90% true, and 10, 10 of it's percent is poison. 
They take a little truth and mix it all up, and next thing you know, you got a college class, and well, I, don't believe, I don't believe in God. I believe in him, what he's saying, what she's saying. And then all of a sudden, we think we're wiser than God. You don't believe the Bible. I encourage you to check it out for yourself. Do your homework. Listen, don't, don't, don't write and complain, and, 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 and don't, go do, don't go do your homework. Go, go buy the book, Josh McDowell, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Go, go buy the book, Lee Strobel, The Case for Christ and The Case for Faith. Do your homework. Because my, my, my heart is I want you to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean out to your own understanding. His ways are better than our ways.